This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. So we're here at Marshall's with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She's got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for Jason. And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift. Wait a sec. (gasps) She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally. Happy holidays, everyone. See you at Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at Marshall's. Hi, this is Bob Costas, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. And away we go, the ML Sports Platter, all over the major platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are presented by Bryant & Stratton College and Welch & Company Jewelers. Log on to welchjewelers.com today. Shop the showcase engagement rings, wedding rings, you name it, they've got it. Just a great place to get your jewelry. Uh, watches, necklaces, bracelets. Uh, Welch Company Jewelers online. Go shop the showcase at welchjewelers.com. Tip of the cab, thank you as well, the Rosie's Corner and the Vince Aguera Consulting Group. Can't wait to talk with our next guest, Kevin Rich, a good buddy of mine. He's doing amazing things out in Albany as a general manager for Town Square Media, a great uh, cluster of radio stations. And, of course, uh, he is the host of Hell to the Pod, uh, which is on Michigan and Big Ten football. And so uh, we're going to get into, you know, uh, horse racing here. We're going to get into Michigan football. We're going to get into Michigan basketball. Uh, we're going to get into uh, all sorts of things. A little Stanley Cup playoffs as well. You can get Kevin on Twitter at krich23. That's at krich23. Kevin, welcome aboard, bud. How are you? Mike, it's been a long time, man. Um, I'm doing great. How about you? Things are things are well. Things are busy. Obviously, it's nice to have the the the, the weather back as well. Um, let's get right into it. A, a few topics here. I want to I want to start with. Just your your overall, you know, preakness feelings, takeaways. You know what, what what you thought of the race? I thought it was a really good one. Yeah, I thought it was great. You know, unfortunately, the uh, the horse that uh, that I, I was betting to win, uh, Midnight uh, Bourbon, uh, didn't pull it out. But uh, Rumbauer, I mean, just an incredible 
uh, late kick that that horse had to get down the stretch there and win. Um, I thought it was great. You know, I think those of us that follow horse racing, you know, very closely, you hate to see things that happen that take away the interest of the sport, like with what's going on with Bob Baffert right now. So, you know, for people that are kind of casual horse racing fans that get into it during Triple Crown, uh, to obviously see, you know, Medina Spirit, you know, have a, a positive uh, test, you know, and it wasn't really a performance-enhancing drug by any means, but a medication that, you know, the one trainer that couldn't afford to have that was uh, had that happen to him was Bob Baffert based on what had been happening to him previously. So, you know, that kind of, it's upsetting because, you know, you, you try and adapt and bring more people to enjoy the sport and follow it for more than just the Triple Crown season. Um, but the fact that Midnight Bourbon and Rombauer put on a show and Rombauer won that race, uh, you know, last Saturday, I thought, you know, was was good. It, it got away from if Bob Baffert's horse uh, would have won, whether he was there or not. Uh, took away some of that. Um, I'm losing a word here that I was looking for there, but it, it just it, it made it made the Preakness a lot better in my mind. So let's go there next. The the Baffert situation. It, it's so strange because it, it's a weird drug. Uh, it, it's it's not a direct, as you said, performance enhancer. It's illegal in in some states, legal in others. There's different rules, regulations, etc. But I mean, from a Baffert standpoint, Kevin, I mean. He, why? Why even? Why even chance anything? Why? Why even do anything? No kidding, Mike. I mean, you know, he had just come under uh, so much scrutiny after you know. I mean, he's got a tainted Triple Crown winner, and, and of course, we we saw the Triple Crown win uh, down at Belmont uh, back when you and I went in twenty eighteen. But a lot of uh, you know, a lot of this is tainted now based on you know what what was called out on him before for for using you know, illegal performance-enhancing drugs, in a sense, um, if we wanted to relate it to what we see in other sports, uh, with his horses. So I agree with you. It's like, why why be in a position that, you know, Kentucky Derby, millions of people watching in the U.S., sure. even millions more worldwide, biggest race of the year, and then your horse fails um, a test uh, after the fact. And, you know, for him to go out and say, oh, you know, he didn't know, and, uh, yeah, he almost made it sound like, you know, someone someone did it um, to, you know, put him in a bad light. And then he went on this PR tour and it just it just didn't add up and it still doesn't add up. And, and that's why you're seeing um, horse racing organizations like the New York Racing Association, which oversees Belmont, oversees Saratoga here in my backyard, um, basically suspend Bob Baffert um, temporarily, of course. Um, but until uh, more information is brought up, it's just it's very bad. You know, it's it's the. You know, the, the one of the, the biggest names in the sport, uh, having some very bad things follow him, and it, it's just not good for horse racing right now. You know, when you're when you're so great at something, I, that's the part that bothers me. You know, you're already so great; you're the king of, of, of the sport, um, and and he still messes around with that stuff. It, that that's the kind of thing that bothers me. You know, it's it's almost like a almost makes me feel like a Barry Bonds type situation or something, you know, or, or the Patriots when they did Spygate or any of these other things, you know, Houston Astros, you're already really good. Just, just be really good. You know? I, I agree. I mean, it, it's just, it's very, it's very disappointing. Um, I, you know, we're going to, 
we'll find out more in the next couple of weeks. You know, the way it works is they, you know, uh, Medina Spirit failed the, the the one test for, you know, this this uh, uh, remnants of this drug uh, in his system. Again, I think it's important to point out it's not performance enhancing um, by any means. I don't, you know, from what I hear from, you know, folks I know that follow the sport, you know, veterinarians, um, that, that are involved in the sport, you know, that should not have given Medina Spirit any edge in the race, you know, kind of more of an anti-inflammatory situation. But uh, still, it's it's just, you, you can't, I tell you, Mike, you just, you can't, you can't risk it in that situation, the biggest race of the year. And uh, it's certainly something that um, I think is going to continue to follow him where he goes. And it, it's a bad look in horse racing right now. So having Rumbauer win the race, you know, win the Preakness, We've got some great horses that will be racing at the Belmont. I think Todd Pletcher is going to be entering uh, one or two horses in that race that will have a really realistic shot of winning. Uh, Chad Brown will probably have a, a horse or two there, too. You know, I, I think I think we're in a, a state now where horse racing, and I think Naira did the right thing, trying to distance themselves from Bob Baffert right now because uh, it's just not a good look for the sport. How does Saratoga set up, do you think, this year? Uh, I think it's going to be great, Mike. I mean, you know, there's no... It's not like there's one great three-year-old horse right now. And we've even seen, you know, in the years where we have had some of the great three-year-old horses, they haven't come to Saratoga. Uh, you know, it would have been great to see Justify uh, race at Saratoga. Although, of course, American Pharaoh did uh, after his Triple Crown win. But I think Saratoga is going to be great this year. There's uh, there's some tremendous, um, you know, racing that will be held at Saratoga. You look at, you know, the, the stakes races uh, that they're going to have. Uh, this year, I mean, it's incredible. It's like like every year. I mean, of course, we always look at the Travers and say, you know, hey, that's that's you know the summer, the midsummer dirty derby, uh, the big race of the year that got the Whitney. Of course, uh, they're bringing back um, some other exciting races uh, from last year. You know, about the Coaching Club American Oaks, uh, the Saratoga Derby Invitational, which will be a million dollar race, which will be a lot of fun to, to watch as well. The Jockey Club Gold Cup, which is a win and you're in for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, so I think there's going to be some great races, and most importantly, Mike, uh, I think we're we're entering a, a situation here that we're going to have fans at the racetrack. Oh, yeah. Nothing's better than that because I can tell you, uh, from being at the racetrack last year and, and broadcasting the races on uh, 104.5 The Team, uh, ESPN Radio, uh, it just was uh, very sad to uh, to be there and, and have it be so quiet uh, because there were some incredible, incredible races last year, and I think about how nuts. Um, that place would have been having fans there, especially on Travers Day when Tis the Law had that lead coming down the stretch. The the local racehorse, uh, man, I tell you, that place would have been rocking. So I'm excited for Saratoga this season and, and what will come. There's no doubt. The, the fan uh, total, is it? I mean, we still have a little ways to go. And, and obviously the Travers, goodness, in August, you look at we're in May. So you go May to June, July. I mean, you got you got a few months, and the races before that. Uh, could you could you see a possibility where it's it's almost at capacity by the time that the season ends around that Travers, you know, Labor Day time period? Do you think that we could have a full house by then? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at where we're at right now. I mean, you know, uh, the Yankees. You know, it's 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 uh, end of May right now. Uh, the Yankees, you know, started the season limited capacity. They're opening up, you know, every game we see, you know, down uh, with the Islanders, you know, them being able to put quite a, quite a, 
put a big crowd there uh, the other night for their game. So I, I think we're going to see that here. I, I think that the, the state continues to open up. I think there's an opportunity here, particularly with um, having vaccinated sections uh, at the racetrack. I think the real question mark is going to be, you know, how do you handle the picnic areas? Yeah. Uh, are you comfortable having groups gather in the picnic area? Um, do you limit attendance based on that? I, I don't know. Um, you certainly have more of a ability to limit uh, capacity uh, and space people out in sections uh, under the covered areas in the clubhouse and grandstand and in the in the stretch and um, some of the other areas they have there. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But, uh, I, I mean, could there be 10,000, 12,000, 15,000? Maybe that's the cap. Um, certainly. But uh, I think that's still going to be a really great crowd. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I think there's a lot that will happen between then and now. Kevin Rich, our guest here, of course, held the pod uh, all over the major platforms on Michigan and Big Ten football and uh, doing great things out there in, in, in uh, the Capital Region, Town Square Media GM on Twitter, at krich23. Kevin, there's just nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs, man. I mean, these games <laughs> these games have been amazing, huh? They've been great. And, you know, I always say this about the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Stanley Cup playoffs is by far, not only are they playing for the best trophy in all sports, but it is the only postseason tournament professionally because i think you can go down that road with with uh march madness but it's the only professional sport here in the u.s that when your team is not in it you can still and i know you're you know where i'm going with this you can still be hooked and watch any game any given night because the competition and what they're playing for and how hard they battle it out every night is just incredible uh, must-see television oh yeah i listen i i'm getting very used to my team not being in the playoffs and and watch <laughs> and watching the stanley cup playoffs i i, I haven't I'm had him in there in 10 years <laughs> i'm not used to my team not i know playoffs, you're not so yeah with detroit for me. <laughs> yeah yeah no doubt about it uh who do you who do you like to go all the way well you know all year i've been on the vegas bandwagon me too um, I think they're phenomenal, but the challenge is they play in a division and they're going to be playing this team in the next round. It looks like in Colorado, uh, in Colorado has just been lights out. I, mean, I don't know how that first line for the avalanche oh my gosh. is so good. And what makes the avalanche stand out for me is the fact that, you know, yeah, in the playoffs, you know, you get a lot of, you know, five on five hockey and, and you're looking for, you know, that big penalty and, you know, the power play coming out and scoring goals like Colorado, they don't need to be on the power play, especially that first line. I mean, they can score goals from anywhere. Um, you know, they could be, you could put six players on the other side mm-hmm. for whoever they're playing against. And um, that, that first line uh, is going to be able to score uh, ad nauseum. So, you know, to me, I, I think Vegas is the team to beat, but I wouldn't be shocked if Colorado, um, you know, beats them the next round and then goes all the way. I, one of those two teams, in, in my opinion, uh, is going to be the Stanley Cup champion. I mean, Kadri, Landis Kong, they have so much depth. McKinnon, by the way, Nathan McKinnon, is I know I know Connor McDavid gets a ton of the headlines and, and rightfully so probably the best player in the league I know Austin Matthews David Pasternak is fantastic in Boston I'll tell you what Kevin if it, I I know people in Colorado would defend this this take you can make the argument Nathan McKinnon is the best player in the NHL yeah no doubt I mean and, and, and Winnipeg is telling you uh, telling you why. Like Winnipeg, you should be giving some money to Winnipeg after they've shut down, uh, you know, Connor McDavid here after the first two games, which that's been a shocker. I mean, what's happening in the 
I, I, I still, I'm going to call it the Canadian division. I know they're, they're, they're calling it the North division there, but um, the fact that, you know, Winnipeg's up 2 nothing. Uh, you know, Montreal took that 1-0 lead. Obviously, a uh, big injury for the Maple Leafs. And, you know, Maple Leafs haven't really done anything in the playoffs the last couple of years. So here we go again with them. But uh, you're, I, I agree with you. I mean, Colorado's just, they're tough, man. And and they've got they've got just some, some excellent uh, players on that team. and Guys doing incredible things. So I, I really do. I think the winner's going to come out of the West. Uh, and it's going to be from Colorado or Vegas. By the way, as we record this, too, Vegas is up 2-1 against the Wild, and the Wild is a really good team. So Vegas has to get through them. Uh, 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 I, look, this has been – it's just been incredible. There's so many good teams. There's so much great high competition. And by the way, I think the league really knocked it out of the park with the scheduling. I mean, the divisions this year, it got so fun uh, just a few weeks into the season even, Kevin, because – these teams started to really get sick of each other. Like they're playing each other all the time. And we know that that causes excitement in hockey. It causes, it causes chippiness. Well, guess what? Now these teams, these, they had to, they have to do the play, uh, the, you know, the kind of playoff uh, again in the division, you know, you're, they're meeting up in the division before they move on. And I think that that's added even more chippiness and more uh, aggressive play and more fun and great goals and everything else because they've been playing each other in the division and they're they're sick of each other more now than ever. Now here we go and 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 it's it's just it's a spectacular product. Uh, I think the NHL deserves a lot of credit with their scheduling. How about you? They do. No, they do. And, and the raw emotion you're seeing. I mean, when uh, when Boston and Washington were tied one one, they had a, a tremendous game the other night that went to double overtime, and uh, you know, just an unfortunate play behind the net. In uh, Boston scores, you know, they flashed uh, over to the, the bench, and Ovechkin just shattering his stick. I mean, you can tell he's just so so pissed because. You know, every single second, every single play in every game matters. And, you know, they go down 2-1. They lose last night. Now they're down 3-1. They're like, here we go. Here's Boston again. Um, but, you know, that was fueled even more by the fact that these teams had played each other so much in the regular season. So I love it. I mean, I don't know that Toronto is going to make it to the final here, but how cool that would be if a team like, you know, Boston, you know, made it out and then played Toronto. And, I mean, we, when would we ever see that um, in a Stanley Cup final, you know, Boston and Toronto um, or Boston and Montreal, right? I mean, you know, there's just some cool potential matchups that could have set themselves up here, uh, you know, down the road, given how these divisions were set up this year. But it, they did a great job. Uh, the regular season was a ton of fun to watch. And as I hit on earlier, you know, to have uh, your team and my team uh, be as terrible as they were all year, uh, to be able to sit down any given night and, you know, watch a Carolina game, watch a Florida Panther game, uh, watch a Minnesota Wild game, and just, you know, really enjoy the product on the ice and the competition uh, made it a whole lot of fun. Let's move to to uh, just one quick little thing in, in baseball here. Um, your Tigers are, are just, I mean, I feel like they've almost kind of been in rebuild mode forever. When do you think... That's going to turn around that franchise. Yeah, I, you know it's uh, they're they're definitely a couple more a couple years away. Uh, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they've got you know they've got a couple pieces there. You know the the pitching's been okay. Uh, the, you know they got some hitters. I, I like what AJ Hinch is doing uh, as the uh, you know in his manager role. You know you see guys like you know Casey Mize. I just mentioned from the pitching standpoint, Spencer Turnbull. Uh, who's been, you know, pitching lights out. 
Uh, they've got, you know, Michael Fulmer. You know, they've, they've got some decent pitching. Uh, you know, Cabrera, obviously going to be going to the Hall of Fame soon, and, and he'll be on his way out, uh, certainly. And they've got some younger guys, Akil Badu, uh, Robbie Grossman, and so on. But, uh, Mike, that's a tough division. And uh, it seems they've been in, in a rebuild here for, for a couple of years. And I think fans of the Tigers, you know, we were expecting them to be a little bit better right now. Uh, than they're than they are. Um, you know, I think they're like eighteen and twenty six. Um, yeah, not not really, not not great. <laughs> you know, certainly at this point. So it, it's tough. I, I think they're probably going to be two three years out. I think they've got you know they've got some some good things developing in the farm system. The draft picks they've had um, certainly have been helpful. But uh, it's not like the White Sox, the Indians. Um, even the Royals, you know, are just going to let them, you know, come back in and, and take over the Central here anytime soon. So I think we're probably four or five years away, Mike. Remember when no hitters were a special thing? Now they're happening like, it feels like they happen every other day now. <laughs> yeah, well, we got six now, right? I know, yeah, and if you count Mad Bums, it's seven. You know, this stupid Rob Manford baseball, the seven-inning no-hitter, you know. Uh, how, uh, how happy were you the other night uh, for Corey Kluber? I was happy for him. Um the the no hitter has lost its luster for me because I think the analytical approach to the game, you know, the way these guys swing for the fences, they're trying to hit the ball over everybody, as you know, trying to hit it over and out. Um, you know, it's created just so many strikeouts, so many home runs. Uh, and that means that the pitchers are, are, are looking at that and going, well, gosh, I'm going to throw more changeups now. I'm going to throw more splitters now, right? And so that's what's created, I think, more no-hitters, but the Kluber thing, I think his story surpasses even the no-hitter. I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to. Like, did he have, when they took a flyer on this guy, you know, does he have anything left in, in that Cy Young arm, you know? And if he can hold up, I mean, it's going to be huge for them because I think they're going to need two guys behind Cole if they can make a run at this thing in the postseason. We know you know, we know that Garrett Cole is a monster, but if Corey Kluber can turn into like 75, 80% Corey Kluber when he was with Cleveland in his heyday, that's a bit, that's a big jolt for this team. No, no, it is. Uh, it's just, uh, it's amazing to me looking at that American League East. I mean, what the Yankees went, uh, they went on a roll on that road trip and, uh, you know, what, four, four game win streak now, yeah. you're still a game and a half back, uh, uh, behind Boston. So, be interesting to see. Uh, the AL East has been a lot of fun to watch so far, and, and uh, ideally, uh, the Yankees are going to start separating themselves. They're certainly playing some some solid baseball right now. I don't trust them in the postseason. You know, I've been on that for a long time. I don't, I don't trust that the pitching can hold up, and if the pitching doesn't hold up, and the bullpen can get taxed, and they don't hit well with runners in scoring position, they just cannot get key hits, uh, especially in the postseason. So. They they still got to prove it to me. Let's let's end with Michigan sports. Um, Big Ten, we got it rolling right around the corner here. It's unbelievable. I can't wait for college football. What does Michigan look like this year? And is the Jim Harbaugh seat? I know what the contract situation is recently, but is that seat any more warm this year than last year? I thought we were going to talk basketball. I was going to be happy if we talked Michigan basketball. No, uh, we are going to talk that next. Michigan football, you know, I'll tell you what, Mike, um, it's hard to, to really gauge last season. College football was a complete mess last year with COVID. The Big Ten started so late. Yeah. Most of the games weren't even played. You know, Wisconsin couldn't even play a game. 
you know, for several weeks. Michigan didn't even play the last couple of games of their season, uh, which led to uh, some of the folks in Ohio thinking Michigan was trying to chicken out of the game. It's like, guys, it's COVID. Like, come on. Um, but, you know, you look, I mean, Michigan was two and four. Penn State, I think they were two and four. Um, no spring ball, no non-conference warm-up games, none of that last year. The, the year was a complete mess. So looking ahead to this year, I, I don't know that that, that that certainly doesn't give Jim Harbaugh a break, right? Because there's still the fact that that he just has not he's not taken Michigan. Michigan's been good. I mean, you know, they win eight, nine, ten games a year. Like that that's really good, but it's not great. And Michigan fans expect more. You know, you don't expect to go that long without beating Ohio State. And I think the real defining moment in Jim Harbaugh's, uh, you know, tenure at Michigan so far uh, was that game in his second season uh, when they went down to Columbus, winner of that game, you know, was going to be in the playoff, Big Ten champion, or would have gone to the Big Ten championship game, I should say. And uh, Michigan played a great game. And they, they lose it in overtime. Uh, I, you know, I still think the Ohio State didn't get the fourth down, but whatever, that's, that's for another day. But if, if Michigan had won that game, all these question marks about Harbaugh, they wouldn't have been there. Second year, would have beaten Ohio State, would have taken the team to the playoff, I think, these last couple of years. Even if these last couple of years would have gone the same way, I think there'd be a different thought on Harbaugh right now. Uh, but they, they have a lot to prove this year. This is the year that he is on the hot seat, no matter what. And I, I know people say, oh, he's on the hot seat last year. I dismiss that because of COVID. Um, they've made every potential change they could have made on the coaching staff, except for Jim Harbaugh. So we're going to find out. Like, Don Brown, who was a great defensive coordinator for many years, his defense became predictable. Yeah. And in the biggest games of the year, great offenses torched them. They bring in Mike McDonald from the Ravens. Michigan's secondary was terrible last year. Baltimore, and granted, different league, right, NFL. But Baltimore's secondary was one of the best in the NFL for years and years. I think he's going to fix that. Michigan has a lot of talent on that defense still, and they're going to have a new system. Uh, they've got a solid running back core. There's still always going to be questions about who's going to win the quarterback job you know, at Michigan. But I, I think... Going into this year, this is truly, we're going to find out how much of this is on Harbaugh and or how much of this was just giving too much time to other coaches that just weren't working and building a new system of coaches and getting the players to perform. Because there's no doubt that they have a tremendous group of players, but for whatever reason, those players just were not, they weren't giving it their all last year. And, and I don't know how much of that was COVID or not having confidence in the coaching staff or what it is. And certainly as a head coach, you have to own some of that. But I think we're really going to find out, and we'll find out early into the season, um, you know, what what this identity for Michigan is going to be this year and, uh, and and how people are going to feel about Jim Harbaugh, uh, you know, regardless of that big game in November uh, when they play uh, in the big house against Ohio State. So remember a few years ago when John Beeline left Michigan and it was – Oh my goodness, what's going to happen to the program? Uh, they're screwed. Well, fast forward to 2021, man. Juwan Howard is a sensational, unbelievable motivator, a great recruiter, 
And 2021, this team made the Elite Eight. Kevin, this program is in really good hands with him. Mike, you know, what's so amazing to me <laughs> is Michigan football goes out and brings back one of their prestigious players in Jim Harbaugh, a guy that had success in college, um, success professionally, you know, has lived, you know, that life that a, a college uh, high, or a, a high school football player would say, yeah, you know, like to go play for that guy and be able to do what he did would be really exciting. And it has not really worked at this point. Michigan basketball, they go out and do the same exact thing and get Juwan Howard, uh, Fab Five, to find a generation. I mean, everybody still to this day talks about the Fab Five and what they did for college basketball. Has an incredible uh, professional career. You know, he wasn't a superstar by any means uh, in the NBA, but he played at the highest level and won an NBA championship. He was an incredible uh, uh, assistant coach. And when you've got guys like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade saying that they would love their sons to go play for him, uh, it's just incredible to see what Jawan Howard is going to Michigan two years out of the job. And, and I think you mentioned that recruiting class. Michigan brings in the number one recruiting class, um, you know, this coming year. Uh, Caleb Houston, I mean, that kid's incredible. Uh, Musa Debate, Kobe Bufkin. Um, they've got some incredible players coming in on top of their core they already have. But why I'm not surprised about the recruiting class that's coming in and the players that came in last year and why they're performing well, if you're a high school, and we just talked about this with Harbaugh, and it hasn't worked, but it's been working with Jawan Howard. If you're a high school recruit, how could you not want to go play for that guy? He has accomplished and lived Everything that you are hoping to have happen in your career, in college, professionally, it's just how you could not be excited about going to play for a guy like that versus some of these other coaches in college basketball. And I get it. People want to go play for, you know, Coach K, you know, because of the success at Duke. You know, people want to play with Tom Izzo based on what he's done over the years. I, I totally, I don't dismiss that. But when you're a high school basketball player and you can go play for Jawan Howard, a guy who was on a, a, a team that defined and, and, and really changed the, sc- the sport of college basketball, and then to see what he did professionally, uh, I think Michigan's set up to be really good for many, many years to come. And uh, it's a tribute to him. Uh, he's got great assistance to Coach Martelli, um, you know, right there. I mean, talk about a guy that uh, has had, you know, tremendous success. Um, in the college basketball world and, and players have wanted to play for him too. Uh, it's very, very exciting to see what Michigan basketball is doing right now and to dismiss anyone that thought this was going to be a bad idea or that, you know, the sky was falling when John Beeline left. Um, I think, if anything, Michigan's actually been even better. You know, Phil Martelli, you bring him up and, and we're hitting on Beeline as well. Uh, it just reminds me of when I went to when I went to Bonnie because all these coaches were in the A10 at the time. You know, yeah. Phil Martelli was killing it at St. Joe's. You had Thad Mata at Xavier. You had uh, Jimmy Barron at Bonaventure. You had uh, Beeline at Richmond. You had Cheney at Temple. Yeah, I mean, it was man. The coaches were 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 unbelievable when I when I went there. Um, final one for you. Do you think the college basketball transfer portal has gotten out of control? I, uh, you know, it's a great question because I, I, I like the ability for players 
to have the to be able to make a decision to to move um because a lot of times we've seen there are situations where they were recruited you know to go play somewhere and there was a big coaching change uh or you know something something about why they went there changed and for them to have to be locked in and continue to play there um or if they were going to transfer, be penalized by having to wait so long uh, to be able to play again at the place that they transferred to. Um, from that standpoint, I've been okay with the transfer uh, protocol. Um, what I don't like about it is somebody that's disappointed or has a bad attitude because they haven't been getting the playing time that they were expecting to have, especially these guys that are freshmen or sophomores, to just be able to pick up and leave and go play right away somewhere else. That's where I have a problem with it. And, you know, you can't, there, there's no, you can't draw a line in the sand and say only these players can go and, and these players can't. So, you know, it's, it, it's a tough one from that standpoint. I, I do think we're seeing a lot more transfers. We are, I mean, we're seeing a lot more transfers than ever before. Um, I think in some situations it's great. I think it's, it's a, it, there's good reasons why those uh, players should be able to transfer. Um, but I think in other situations, uh, it, it's, it's not good. So, you know, I don't know, Mike, I mean, I, I kind of, I, 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 I wane back and forth on it. I don't know if you can, you know, set up a, a transfer policy that allows for, you know, players based on key elements of what, of what happened in their recruitment or what's happened at that program that has changed that allows them to maybe, you know, break away and transfer and be able to play, um, right away somewhere else. Versus um, players that, you know, just had a bad attitude and weren't getting playing time and are able to go. I, I don't really know what the answer is to that question. And there's people that make a lot more money than me and are way more involved in the sport that can figure that out. Um, so I think, I think we'll see. But I, it hasn't really gotten to a point yet that, you know, a team that has won the national championship has been made up of all transfers or, you know, some dream team scenario was put together. Uh, like, you know, as we've seen in the NBA where these guys go around free agency and, you know, they try and assemble, you know, a dream team of a couple players on, on, you know, a basketball team and, you know, go on and win a championship. So I don't really know what the answer is. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay at the moment. Um, but I think the trajectory we've seen where players are leaving, um, and, and, and weird kind of oper- like weird opportune ways, um, I think that might be something I need to look at further. He is the host of Hell to the Pod, Michigan football, Big Ten football, all over the major platforms. Make sure you download, subscribe, uh, and listen to it. It's a great show. It'll be, I'm assuming, back here pretty soon, right, Kevin, For with, with some episodes when football starts. Uh, so that'll be uh, that'll be a good one uh, to uh, to download for you, uh, podcast fans out there. And, uh, again, Kevin doing awesome work at Town Square Media. As a general manager uh, for a terrific cluster of stations, and he's on Twitter, at KRich, the number 23. Kevin, great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Can't wait to see you down the line. Yep, you uh, you know where to find me, uh, eight weeks of Saratoga racing season. <laughs> I do. So, uh, I, uh, I will see you at the racetrack, uh, ideally, my friend. But, no, I, I appreciate it. It's been, uh, it feels like, you know, we, uh, we text and chat a lot, but uh, being able to, to do this and hop on, um, you know, always a lot of fun. I know we haven't done it in a while, so appreciate you inviting me on, and uh, love seeing all the great work you uh, you do every day, and, and enter- engaging and entertaining uh, the folks that uh, that tune in uh, to your podcast, and, and you know, watch your videos online, and write into you, and engage with you on a daily basis. So uh, keep up the good work, my friend. 
Always amazing to have Kevin Rich on the program. I'm Mike Lindsley. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review for the ML Sports Platter where you get podcasts on your smartphone device. We are brought to you by our friends over at Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, Ken's Auto Detailing, and Rosie's Corner. If you're in and around Central New York, make sure you get on over to Rosie's for Fish Friday every week, mac and cheese on Thursdays and Fridays, meatball bombers, stuffed shells, lasagna, pizza wing combinations. It's all there right in front of the Burton Bridge uh, on Route 11 off the Bartell Road exit. Gift cards are always available, and go find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Rosie's Corner is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor, and a tip of the cap thank you as well uh, to the Swan and Whitaker families for their support of the platform. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. Marshalls with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She's got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for Jason. And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift. Wait a sec. (gasps) She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally. Happy holidays, everyone. See you at Marshalls. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at At Marshalls. Marshalls. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments. Where bold moves require confident blueprints. Where you can accelerate transformation through consistency. Where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at SAIC.com cloud. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.